Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Tonight, uh, we're going to continue in the book of 2 Peter. We've been in the book of 2 Peter for a little bit. Uh, last week, uh, Pascal introduced the, the actual book with uh, chapter 1, and I'll be covering chapter 2, and then Pastor Matt Ingo, uh, in about two weeks, we, he'll be actually covering chapter 3. So we'll be able to go through the whole book together. So preaching on chapter 2, though, feels like I'm preaching from Matthew 23. You know that chapter, woe is this, woe is that? This is one of those chapters, and we're going to do it together, all right? Let me tell you something before we even begin. I believe um, the Lord always reserves His harshest words for the leaders of the church. He is compassionate to the lost, but he can talk tough to the leaders of the church because they can handle it and they know better. So that is the approach behind this chapter, just like it was in when Jesus spoke those words on Matthew 23. So, um, several years ago, I was in a class called Comparative Religions. I signed up. I was super excited because I wanted to learn about other belief systems. I was in college and I was ready particularly to dive in into all the different false religions just so I can learn and grow and become a better minister of the gospel of Jesus. So we start in the first class and the, you know, the professor says, uh, do you know how the Department of the U.S. Treasury uh, can tell or can train those who detect uh, counterfeit currency. Do you know how they train them? And I said, no, I have no idea. How, the, how do they train them? And he said, they become intimately acquainted with the original bill. If you are intimately acquainted with the original currency, you will be able to sniff out any counterfeit. I was like, oh, okay, this is good. So here I am, so excited to learn about all the false beliefs. And my professor was directing me and say, if you are aware and strong and firm in the right belief, wrong belief will be easily distinguishable. So this is what we're doing on Wednesday nights. We're diving in. We're taking time to go through these books and these chapters to make sure, sure the church uh, is, 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 is understanding and is becoming intimately acquainted with the original source. Can I get an amen on that? So come with the spirit of a learner. Come with the spirit of a student. I heard somebody tell me, hey, I brought my notebook. I'm going to write some notes. I said, well, that's good. Get ready to write a lot of notes today because we have 22 verses to cover today and we're going to do it together. So, um, the book of 2 Peter is actually the Apostle Peter's last letter to the churches in Asia Minor. This book was written in AD 66. AD 66. If um, you were to put all the books of the Bible in chronological order when they were written, 
not in how they appear in the New Testament, but in chronological order. And when they were written, 2 Peter is actually the last book written of the New Testament. This letter is Paul's last words before he departs because there is persecution happening in Rome, in Asia Minor, and he knows and has perceived by the Lord that his time to leave earth is near. He was going to be a martyr. He knows it. The Lord's been speaking to him. So he gives these final words, and he gives these final instructions to make sure the church can stand firm and leave things and leave the house in order before he leaves. I don't know if you've ever uh, done this, but I recall many times, any time uh, my wife and I were going to go on vacation or some trip or some mission trip or something, and we were leaving our kids with babysitting or family or just friends that we really trusted, she always left a set of instructions, and she would post it on the fridge. I remember particularly when the kids were little, it included detailed schedules of feeding and changing and snacking and where everything is. I mean, an orderly account of how our church runs and what are all the emergency contact numbers. And it just gives you even hints on, well, on the kids like this and kids like that. So think of Second Peter 2 like that. Peter is saying, here's an account of how things need to be. These are the things you need to be aware before I leave. So that is the approach that Peter is taking in this book. Peter understands that there are, as, as, as the world grows more modern, and I know it's still the ancient world, but in those times, AD 66 was now 66 years removed from the time of Jesus, or 63 to be exact, and so there are already currents of persecution and false teachings that are affecting the church, okay? And so he has to make sure he leaves the church on a firm foundation. Say with me, firm foundation. firm foundation. So, if I were to title this message today, I have a couple of titles. One would be Seven Warnings and One Powerful Promise. Okay, do you like that? Sounds ominous, doesn't it? Seven warnings and one powerful promise. Now, I remind you that these warnings were written to the church. He is not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers that used to serve the Lord, but now have fallen away. And they haven't just fallen away. They have, they have become perverted in their ways. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means. This letter is for the church, and I think it's perfect for us in 2022 because it applies also to some of the currents of false teachings and even a little bit of persecution. That's a strong word to use for us, but still a little bit of that going on, so we must be prepared. So one title could be Seven Warnings and One Powerful Promise. Another title I thought of it could be 22 Verses for 2022. I promise I'm done with titles. We'll get to the message. All right, so we're going to pick it up right where Pascal left it. So if we look at the chapter before on verse 20, it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through humans, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we have in the verse right before chapter 2, hey, True prophets are Holy Spirit dependent. Can I get an amen? amen? 
True prophets do this the right way. And they show good fruit. And that, the whole chapter one is about that. Chapter two is now, let me tell you about what false prophets are. And that's what we're heading, that's what we're heading into. So with a couple of warnings, I'll start with the first one. The first warning for, our, for the churches, beware of false prophets or false teachers in the church. We'll read verse one. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. So check it out. How do you know someone is a false teacher? How do you know someone is a false teacher. Very simple. You shall know them by their what? Fruits. You know this. That is literally quoting Jesus teaching on false teachers and prophets. That's him in the gospels teaching, and he uses that phrase. How do you know someone's a false prophet or false teacher? You shall know them by their fruits. Uh, in fact, um, there is a a, a, a story in the Bible in which Jesus is with his disciples and he's going to go eat. Uh, they're going on the side of the road and they see a fig tree. And when they go try to eat some figs, there's no figs. And so Jesus curses the tree and the tree withers and dies. So that kind of reminds me of like fire from heaven, you know. I thought it was always so dramatic that Jesus cursed the tree and the tree dies. I also thought back in the day that Jesus had a temper. I did. I'm like, why, why did he do that? But I did not understand that he is giving us a sermon illustration. The fig represents the people of Israel and how they're supposed to bring good fruit and how they're supposed to be the representatives of the gospel and the Lord and the message of God. And so when he tries to find fruit from Israel and does not find them, he curses Israel. So him cursing the tree is a symbol of him saying, how disappointed I am with you, Israel. I came to find what I have sown for so many years and couldn't find it. We'll leave that right there. How do you, how do you know someone is a false teacher? You shall know them by their fruits. So, two things these verse points, verse 1 points. It says, they secretly bring in destructive heresies. They secretly bring in destructive heresies. The, the most dangerous thing about a false teacher is that you do not realize initially that they are a false teacher. There is a way in which they sneak in false teachings. They sneak in false heresies. And so we have to have our eyes very open, like I was saying, to the original source so that we can catch when we hear these destructive heresies. The second one is that they deny the master who bought them. So again, we're talking about Christians who used to serve the Lord and have forsaken the Lord. It reminds me a little bit, Pajani was referencing not too long ago, a movement uh, called, De you know, people are deconstructing the faith. It's like they're, they're going ahead and taking Christianity and breaking it apart and maybe thinking, oh, there's some things we need to deconstruct. But they never reconstructed the right way. Oh, we need to deconstruct it the way it is. Awesome. If you think you need to do that. But do you ever build it back? No. The faith remains deconstructed and therefore they lose the faith. Are you with me? Yeah. So there is this whole, uh, 
deal in which they are denying the master who bought them. They knew who Christ is. They knew that they needed Jesus, but now they deny the efficacy of salvation and the efficacy of the Lord. That is no good. That's another way you shall know that the person is a false teacher. Two ways to counteract this, I would say, is one, study sound doctrine. Say with me, sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is awesome. In other words, know what God's Word says. Don't just, like, be familiar with the Word. Be intimately acquainted with the original source. Like, get in there and study the Word of God. Like, I hope after you hear these messages on Wednesdays, you actually go home and reread these chapters. Especially because we breeze through a lot of verses to go ahead and cover a lot of material. Study sound doctrine. The second one is, don't just listen to the message people give, but observe how they live. This is really hard in a world of social media in which we only see the, the message we don't see the context. We don't see how the person lives. But I want to encourage you, when you hear a teaching, observe how the person lives. Because that is what will confirm the message, not just the message. You have to look at the fruit and not just the message that they're speaking. Are you with me, church? You have to do that. You need to do this. A discerning church, a mature church, a grown-up church knows how to discern this. They, they just don't take it a little wave or any cool little doctrine that goes out there or something that seems fashionable. They discern, they mature, they listen, all right? Warning number two. The way of truth will be blasphemed. The way of truth will be blasphemed. Another way to describe this is the reputation of the gospel will be damaged. And this is because of these false teachers. Verse 2 says... And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. So, uh, uh, an easier way to describe that is the following. Because of the way some church leaders are living their lives, the reputation of the church has suffered. And it speaks of the word sensuality, which in the dictionary sensuality, it is defined as excessive devotion to sensual pleasure. The dictionary, by the way, the secular dictionary also says carnal nature or worldliness. So these leaders or teachers are carnal and they're sensual. Let me clarify something. Sexual desire is not bad. God put in a sexual desire to occur in the proper context of marriage between a man and a woman. Excessive sexual desire or inorderly passion, that's that sensuality that the Bible is speaking about. That one is not good. And so what these leaders have done is that they have adapted, oh wait, I still want to practice my sensuality, so let me just go ahead and change my theology so that it accepts and, and it becomes a part of what I believe God is saying. And they reinterpret scripture to allow a lifestyle of sensuality. Are you with me, church? My brother took a picture. Um, he went to visit Puerto Rico the other day and uh, took a picture in front of our middle school, which I went to a middle school called Academia Evangelica Unida. It was Evangelical Academy, Evangelical United Academy, something like that. He took a picture, um, and I was like, oh, cool, our middle school. I zoomed into the picture, and in front of the school, they put a huge pride flag with the word hope, esperanza. And I got so 
upset to see them putting a flag and just using the word hope as if that, like, that's hope. The fact that we are more diverse or more inclusive. Like, I was like, that is ridiculous. In front of an evangelical Christian school, the hope should be Jesus. It should be a cross and the word hope, not a flag that says hope. I'm like, what kind of twisted uh, way of looking at life is this? So my heart broke because that's a school that I loved. And, the, and, that's, and this hope, this new way of teaching is what is being taught. This was a middle school from sixth grade to ninth grade. That is what it being t- is being taught to these kids. And we know now even younger. And so Christian, entire Christian denominations have adjusted their doctrine to accommodate sensuality. And they call it compassion. And they call it diversity. And they call it inclusion. But, but the Bible would call it heresy. Yeah, I know, not popular stuff. Some people call them progressive Christianity, but also the Bible will call that heresy. Like at, at which point we stop, like we just accommodate everything and just make it so permissive and so free willy that it all just kind of lines up with the Word of God because of love and grace? No, 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 that is excessive. And, 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 and Peter is telling the church, beware, there's teachers out there that are, that are blaspheming the gospel. Like, it, this should break our hearts that, that there's so many Christian denominations doing this. Not the world. The world, if the world does crazy stuff, that's the world. They don't know any better. They're blind. Spiritually blind, spiritually deaf. But if Christians are doing it, uh, they're, they're in trouble. They're in trouble with the Lord. And I'm not casting judgment upon them. I'm speaking from a sinner to a sinner. Are you with me? From a sinner to a sinner. But we have to address what the Word of God is saying. So, um, let's search our hearts, I would say. And and, and if there is any sensuality, we have allowed sensuality of any kind in our lives. Uh, Let's ask God to search our hearts so that we can cast sensuality and live healthy Christian lives. Can I get an amen? Warning number three, greed, greed will bring God's judgment. Verse three, and in their great greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. So, so that we offend equally today, we're not just going to talk about sexual sin, we're going to talk also about greed, all right, about all sorts of sins today. So, if you turn on any Christian channel after midnight, you're going to see uh, uh, sometimes a lot of Christian televangelists promising uh, salvation or blessing or prosperity if you sow a seed. And so it becomes, this thing becomes about the giving, and it's almost like, a, like an, an excessive uh, focus on asking people to give, 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 but not on, but, but, but you wonder how they are living their lives because it sounds like they're selling the gospel. Are you with me? Like, have you, have you gotten a sense of that? Um, and that's back in the day, televangelists. We see it in social media as, as, as well. These are greedy leaders who exploit others with their words. That's literally what the verse is saying. Sometimes when I see this, I want to, like, grab the TV and, and shoot it. Even though I don't have a gun, but I would do it um, because it's craziness, right? Um, there is... I would say beware 
with um, this whole uh, hyper prosperity, hyper faith. So it's this, 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 this whole group and wave and, and doctrine that has moved in the churches for a while now where, you know, it's all about you're really blessed if you have money. But if you don't, there must be something wrong with you. There must be a sin in your life. That's not biblical. That's hyper prosperity. Hyper faith is God always will answer your prayers and he will always heal you. If he doesn't, there must be some hidden sin in your life. That's hyper faith. Both are excesses and neither of them are good. And we need to have a balanced theology. Prosperity is good. But we don't condemn someone like... The Word of God needs to work in U.S. as it needs to work in a developing country. And if it cannot work in both contexts, then you took it out of context. Don't get me started because I don't want to be, talk more about that. But beware of hyper-faith and hyper-prosperity. Like, prosperity is cool. Uh, faith is good, right? It's just a hyper-faith, that whole deal like... Like, it's the, if you're not living in perfect riches and perfect healing, there must be something wrong with you. So when someone gets, has some sort of infirmity, you know, we begin questioning, is there a sin? I mean, it happened in the time of Jesus. This is not new. I would say uh, let's uh, be careful because the Bible says destruction is coming to those who pervert the gospel this way. Destruction is coming to those who pervert the gospel this way. And... Yes, I'm glad you didn't say a lot of amens because this should break our hearts more than make us go, yeah, Lord, destruct them. But it's what the Word of God says. I would say let's search our hearts to make sure that we are not harboring some of this greed ourselves. Let's be careful to, to yes, desire and have ambition for to be blessed and prospered, but not make it all about that. Are you with me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Warning four. It says, the ancient world was not spared from judgment. Verse 4, it says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. He, Peter is now citing different moments in which people were judged because of their sin. So a lot of people ask, so pastor, in the, in the last days, do, are, do, do we have revival coming or judgment? I say both. We have revival coming and there is a reckoning that the Lord is, has to do with the church and with his people in order to prepare us uh, for the coming of the Lord. Uh, can I get an amen on that? Yeah. Yep. I know. Not fun revival preaching. A few thoughts on hell. So hell is a real thing. Let me just put it out there. I don't want to assume that everybody knows this. Hell is not a mythological idea that lives in ancient books. Hell is actual, a real living place that was created for the devil and his angels, the devil and the angels that rebelled against God, right? And so it, hell was not created for us, but because of our sin and our rebellion, 
if we do not repent, we can end up in the same exact place that the devil and the angels are going to end up, which is hell. God does not send anyone to hell. I I wanted more amens on that one. I said, God does not send anyone to hell. The wages of sin is death. Our sin, our actions, our behavior sends us to hell. So if you repent, you don't have to go to hell. That's the hope. I'm not going to leave it there. There's gloom, yes, plenty. But if you repent, even tonight we're given opportunity at the end of the service to repent. So this is not about, oh, hell, well, it's real, but you can escape it by coming to Jesus and by repenting. Simple as that. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. So what I would say is um, also beware of the hyper-grace movement, which is, oh, it's covered by God's grace. Every sin, everything is always covered, so covered, so covered, that we become, it's like I cannot lose my salvation. Some people say saved, always saved. It's like, it's like we're, I can do whatever, and nothing will ever, 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 ever make me lose my salvation. But the Bible says that you can lose your salvation. In fact, we have to keep it with fear and trembling. So be careful and don't become so free in that grace that you've been given by God, that you, you become careless in your walk and you end up in trouble. Why? Because the ancients incurred judgment. And while Peter is saying, if it happened to them, who do you think you are? It will happen to you too. Like, why do you think you're special now? Look at what happened to them. It's a warning to us. So we need to be open our, opening our eyes and be aware, being aware of this. Now, in the midst of that judgment, it says... Noah was preserved. Can I get an amen for the Lord preserving Noah and his family? I would say, church, when you come to Jesus, you can escape all that that is coming, okay? Just like Noah was able to escape it, him and his family. So I've given you a couple of warnings. I'm going to insert here a powerful promise. Can I get an amen for promises, for good words, right? They're all good words, just this one has a positive note to it. God will rescue us from the upcoming trials. Mm-hmm. One amen on that one. I said, God will rescue us from the upcoming trials. And this is good. This is good news. This is good news because you hear the gloom, you hear the judgment, you hear what's coming, and God is saying, but I can rescue you. I have the power to get you out of it. So this is the whole moment in between the message. Verse 7 and 9, it says, And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. There's a day of judgment coming. Uh, but he's saying, I can keep the unrighteous, I can, I can set free the righteous from the trial before judgment now. And so, what I, what I want to say is the following. Lot is an incredible image for us in the last days, all right? I used to judge Lot a lot. I'm like, why, have, why is he still living in Sodom? Why hasn't he taken his family out of there? I, I used to judge Lot, so I'll confess because I didn't understand why he kept his family living in there. But I love that the Word of God confirms the Word of God. 
Let me tell you, if you want to know how to interpret the Word of God, the original source is the best source to interpret the original source. So find other words among the Word of God that can confirm the Word and don't necessarily look for an external source initially. Look for the, its own source. So here it says that Lot is righteous. So then my, my preconceived notion of him is, is, is denied here, right? It says, he was tormented in his righteous soul over the lawless deeds he saw and heard. I mean, it just reminds me of us believers in this world. We're living in some crazy times. Mm-hmm. We're living in some crazy times. And for us believers, many times our soul is tormented because we see and hear these things. We're like, what in the world is happening? Creation is groaning. You're like, God, set us free from this. Come. Come, Lord. So we're in the same image uh, that, that is given about Lot, is given about us. The Lord rescued Lot. The Lord rescued Noah. The Lord will rescue us. Amen. Amen. If we serve Jesus, we're going to escape the coming wrath of God. How many of you are planning to escape the wrath of God? I am. So help me God. He knows how to rescue us. What I would say is, come to the Lord. Ask him to have mercy on you. Like live in a humble way before him. Don't always like assume, yeah, 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 salvation's mine. Yeah, 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 I did the Christianity thing. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm a believer. I'm a member of the church. Like, no, search your life, discern where you are, and make sure you're doing good with God because you really don't want to mess this, this one. You really want to make sure you know you're doing the right thing when it comes to you and where you stand with the Lord, right? Next, warning number five. Sometimes animals are smarter than humans. <laughs> Sometimes animals are smarter than humans. Verse 10 through 16. It says, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority, bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels Though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. There are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions, while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable of sin or for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children, forsaken the right way. They have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Wow, that's a mouthful. This is Peter borrowing vocabulary from Isaiah because the Lord was dealing with the people of Israel through Isaiah. And many times he used references, he used animals as references when he spoke to the people of Israel. So he is giving all the examples of ignorant behavior for those who have forsaken the Lord. It's like, not only did you forsake the Lord, but you entered into even greater sin. And he just begins listing all the problems and all the issues that those that lead the Lord can fall into. And so he's saying, you know, 
even the donkey had more wisdom and discernment than Balaam. Like, like Balaam was intend, had an intention to do evil and wrong, and donkey's the one stopping, saying, no, 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 I see the angel. So an animal had more discernment than a prophet. So this is an image for us. Let us have discernment ourselves. Let us discern what is above us, in front of us. Let us discern where we are in, our, in relationship to our walk with God so that we're not like going against that transparent thing which is rebelling against God and, and like bumping into an angel who wouldn't even know that God is in this place and really we should take our sandals off and just be like, God, this place is holy. I better humble myself before you. Like that's the attitude or approach that we should have when we come to church. Not careless walking um, like Balaam, not understanding or discerning the season or the times. And so in that way, animals um, can be or have been smarter than humans. Amen? All right, a few more. Warning number six. Beware of abusing your freedom in Christ. Verse 17 through 19. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. So remember the story that I gave you about the fig that has no fruit. He's saying, do not be the type of believer that says that they have fruit but when a person is in need and needs shade and needs nourishment and needs someone, they come near the tree and there's nothing. Don't be fruitless trees. We as believers, sometimes we have false advertisement. Oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. I have the bumper sticker. Really? Can people come near you and find shade? Can they come near you and eat good fruit and good word and good? Can good come out of you like real Christ-like fruit come out of you so that a person can be nourished by you because you're the only Christian they know? Or are we false advertisers? It's, he calls them here waterless springs. That's another false advertisement. There's a spring, but there's no water in it. We shall not be that type of church here at Faith Assembly in the name of Jesus. When we, people come on Sunday, they're going to come to a place of springs, of flowing water. When they come here, they're going to come to a place of fruit that is abundant and people can be fed and people can grow like for real, right? Not false advertisement. So I would say, watch how you live your lives. Lord, have mercy. Ask him to show you how you're living your life so that we are people of fruit and people of abundant water. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Number seven, it's better to have, and this is the last one, it's better to have never known Christ than to know him and leave him. Whew, so Peter's not letting up. Like this is going even more. We're going to go to verse 20 and 22, and that, those will be the last two verses. But it says, for if... After they have escaped the defilement of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. See, they knew the Lord. They are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. 
What was the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its vomit, and the sow, which is a female pig, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. I mean, this chapter closes with some of the harshest images of the Word of God. But what God is doing, he's using Peter, who was dramatic in nature, by the way, to speak a strong, clear, illustrated message. This is what happened when you leave the Lord. The condition of your heart will deteriorate to such a point that you will get in trouble and you will get other people in trouble. So beware and escape that type of junk. Like, don't do that. Don't live like that. Remain in the Lord. Stand firm. I'm about to leave, Asia Minor, and you better represent Jesus once I'm gone. <coughs> Are you with me? He's, he's really, he has a burden in his heart. Like, before I leave, make sure you continue in the doctrine, in what you have believed, and don't let anything or anyone move you. The Bible clearly says that when someone leaves the Lord, the spiritual condition becomes worse. The Bible even says, Jesus said that a person who's been cleaned and been set free from demons, if they don't fill their heart with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, and they just keep living without the Lord, seven other spirits can come back, and the state of that person is even worse than the beginning. So, it even says it would have been better for them never to have known Christ. So apparently there is a judgment that is harsher for those who have known him and left them than for those who have never known him. Sobering words. Sobering words. Don't leave the Lord. You're in it. You're in too deep. Don't leave the Lord. I'm telling you, don't leave the Lord. Stand firm. Stand strong. Waves will come. Yes, thank you. Waves will come. Currents will come. But you stand firm. Waves of doctrine. Just things will happen. This, there'll be trials. I mean, they speak the world. The word speaks of it. There'll be trials and issues and problems and plagues and pestilence. I mean, you name it. We're heading there like it's the last days. All that is true. God will protect us. But make sure not just to have the protection of God. Stand firm in Jesus and don't leave the faith. Do not leave the faith. Amen? May we use our freedom to stay free. Don't use your freedom to allow behaviors that are dubious. May we use our holiness to draw others unto God. May we use our clean life as a testimony to our friends and neighbors. Like, we got to live this. This weekend, we're about to invite so many people to old school. We really are, and it's going to be incredible. But I pray it's so much more than you giving a little brochure to somebody. I pray it's about the life you're living in front of your neighbors, coworkers. Like, they're watching that and also the message. Yes, give the brochure, but live the life that also invites them to be a part of faith assembly and the church and the Lord. Can I get an Amen. Lots of silence, so there must be a lot of thinking going on. This is good. I don't mind this. This is processing. Please stand up with me. We're getting ready to pray and, and close. Um, the word, I mean, there were literally seven warnings, church, and, and it's important to, to speak the word as the word speaks. 
Like there's no way to make it pretty. It's just what it is, right? But I pray these words would be good food for us. They would be sobering for us. It's good to every once in a while do a little checkup. Like check your heart, right? Every once in a while and just be like, Lord, where am I with you? So I pray you do that even right now. Lord, how's my relationship with you? How's it been you and me? Ah, I feel a little bit away from you. Maybe I haven't been as close to you as I have. Maybe you haven't been close with the Lord and kept your intimacy with the Lord. Maybe you just need to come back to the Lord and just draw near a little more and spend time with Jesus. And so we're going to open our altars here in a minute. And a prayer team, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and be ready to pray. You guys can come already, but we're going to open the altar. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, I I encourage you to come. This is a great night to, to get saved, to just give your heart to Jesus and, and escape the coming judgment. I mean, it's just what it is. And come to new life, an abundant life, right, in Jesus. Or if you've been away from the Lord, this is a great night to recommit your life to Jesus. And so that's it. Those two are it. So the altars are open. If you've never served Jesus, come. We would love to pray for you. And if you've been away from Jesus, come. You know, you know that there's still hope tonight? Yeah. The, the door of the ark hasn't closed. The stuff that hasn't happened yet. So tonight there's hope. Tonight there's time. Tonight, come. If you hear the Lord, do not harden your heart. Come and respond. Come and say, Lord, I got to do it. I got to take care of it. Like this is it. It's no joke. And so live for God and live unto God. Let me say a prayer and then we'll, we'll sing it. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.